we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about the trial of Jesus. And what I'm really tonight is, is about the reason for, for the trial, what really happened at the trial. And so the, the trial of Jesus is, is, is uh, simple and in some ways it's complicated. And so all four Gospels tell us something about the trial of Christ. Matthew and Mark are very, very similar. Now, the trial of Jesus had two components. It had the Jewish component and it had the Roman component. The Jewish component is symbolized by interaction with Caiaphas. The Roman component is symbolized by the interaction of Jesus with Pilate. None of the four Gospels has all the same stuff. Uh, Every Gospel has enough that that's the only Gospel we have. We have enough to understand something about the death of Jesus and what happened. We have enough to know what happened. Uh, But when you put all four together you have a really comprehensive view, and they begin, they begin to add and complement each other, and you get a fuller picture of what happens. Now, the four Gospels do not give us an exhaustive knowledge. There's plenty of things that happen we don't have recorded, we don't know about. Uh, the trial of Jesus, depending on who you read, took between you know, six to eight hours, you know, all that happened, after midnight till about eight or nine in the morning, somewhere in there, all that happened. Uh, other things happen, you know, the denial, you know, Peter's denial was in there, uh, things like that. Uh, and also understand that, you know, what we're going to look at tonight, and we're, we're going to look at the components of the trial, and then I'm going to try to help you understand, hopefully, what the trial is really all about. But there's a lot of things, you go about the trial of Jesus, there's so much stuff in there, you know, all the, all the, law, you know, all the laws that were broken, all the procedures of trial, you can get online, you can read all these things about... They broke this Jewish law, they broke that Roman law, all the things. And that's, that's important, that matters, but that's something not our focus is on. In fact, if you're not careful, you get caught up and bogged down on all of the, the laws the Jews broke, or their own laws, that you forget the most important thing, which is the trial of Christ. I'm going to start off by saying something to you that may be a little shocking, but, but it's important you realize. Uh, we should be extremely thankful that they tried Jesus, and they were corrupt, and they broke the rules, and they broke the laws, and they put him to death. We should thank God for that on a regular basis. Because it is the death of Jesus that allowed for the resurrection of Jesus, that allows for our salvation. Now, and I do this too when I preach. It's we'll get on Caiaphas, and we'll get on Pilate, and we'll hammer these guys. I get that. It's red meat for preachers. They needed to do that for our salvation, okay? Caiaphas and Pilate were not evil, corrupt men because they put Jesus to death. They put Jesus to death because they were evil, corrupt men. Understand that. The problem for Caiaphas and Pilate wasn't that they put Jesus to death. The problem for them is that they were unrepentant sinners who, when Jesus was resurrected, never trusted Christ to be their Savior. That's why they're in hell. They're not in hell because of the death of Jesus. They're in hell because they failed to recognize the resurrection of Jesus. It's an important part. That's theologically important. Sometimes we let our emotions get in the way of the Bible. So let me just tell you what the components are, and then I'm going to go through it. If you read Matthew and Mark, Matthew chapter 26 and the 27, Mark chapter 14, what you, all you see is you see Jesus before Caiaphas and then kind of before the Jewish ruling council. There are certain things that you don't see. 
For instance, you don't see Jesus before the high priest Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the high priest. Annas, his father-in-law, was the former high priest. He had five sons, a grandson, and a son-in-law. Caiaphas be high priest. Back then, you were the high priest. Kind of like you would still consider um, uh, President Obama, both Pres- you know, President Bush, uh, you would still refer to them as you know, President Clinton. You would still refer to them as President. You might say ex-president, but you would still say President Clinton, President Bush, President Obama. You would recognize the title. They deserve it. They earned it. It is theirs for life. Same thing with, with the high priest. And so what happened is you, is you have Jesus in the, in the Jewish part appearing first in front of Annas. That's in John uh, chapter 18. Then he goes before Caiaphas. The major time before Caiaphas, while it was still dark, dark, before dawn, you find in Matthew and Mark. Then he goes before the rest of the Jewish ruling body, the Sanhedrin, though not all of them, because obviously Nicodemus, Joseph, and Arimathea, and probably a few other Pharisees weren't a part of it. You see that in Luke chapter 22. Okay? So when you come to Luke's account before the Jews, it is focused on the, sec- or the third part of the trial. So the first part of the Jewish trial, Annas. Second part, Caiaphas, maybe a few others. The third part, the Jewish ruling council. The first part is found in John. The second part, primarily in Matthew and Mark. The third part, primarily in Luke. All four Gospels talk about Jesus before Pilate. But only Luke has Jesus also going before King Herod. So if without Luke, you would just think there was one long movement in front of Pilate. But Luke tells us that Jesus went to Pilate, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate. Now when you read, and I'll point this out when we go through it, in in Matthew and Mark's account before Pilate is very fairly short. John's is extremely long. We don't know, you know, if you just read them, you don't know when he left and came back, but but if you put Luke's part in there, right, the, 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 Jesus left, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, and he left and he came back to Pilate. And the part that he came back is right before Pilate says, do you want us to release, me to release to you Barabbas? So when you come in Matthew, Mark, and John, when you get to the part where they're ta- he's talking about releasing Barabbas or Jesus, which one do you want? That's when he comes back from uh, being with Herod. And I'll point that out to you. So you need to kind of understand those movements. Now, the Jewish, the Jewish people and the leadership, the only thing they could justify putting Jesus to death for was blasphemy against God. But blasphemy was not an offense to the Romans. So for the Romans to be able to put Jesus to death needed to be something like treason, sedition, something like that. When we go through this, and I'm not going to read every verse and I can't go into detail, I will point these things out to you. So I want to start in Matthew chapter 26. Now just be handy. If you've got a smart device, you're going to be going through that thing back and forth. Too. Matthew 26, very similar to John, uh, excuse me, Mark 14. Matthew 26, this is how it begins in verse 1. Now this is only, verse 1 and 2 is only found in Matthew. Verse 3, 4, and 5 is found in Mark chapter 14. When Jesus had finished all these things, all these words, he said to his disciples, this is on Wednesday, by the way. You know that after two days, the Passover is coming. The Passover in two days. The Son of Man, that's how he normally referred to himself as Messiah, is to be handled over for crucifixion. So Jesus is saying, I am going to be crucified. He has already told them before he's going to be put to death. Um, 
he will tell them extensively in John uh, chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 uh, on the night of Passover about it. In, in, in the Old Testament, you, know, you find prophecies that are pointing to the cruelty of the death of the Messiah. Particularly, uh, you find it in Isaiah 52, 13 through Isaiah 53. And it speaks of the cruelty, the shedding of the blood, the being beaten. And uh, other places talk about being hanging on a tree, which is the cross. So it's not just that Jesus has to die. Jesus says, crucified. Okay? So keep that, keep that in mind. Now, we're going to leave Matthew, that, that first couple of verses there from Matthew 26. And we're going to come then, and, and there's things that happen. The next day comes along. He gets betrayed. We're going to come uh, to John chapter 18. I'll flip over. I don't have all that marked. So in John chapter 18, uh, at the beginning of John chapter 18, Judas betrays Jesus. Now, in verse 12, the Roman cohort and the commanders of the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and they led him to Annas first. Before he went to Caiaphas, first, he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of his people. So first he goes to Annas. Let me just say this. His time before Annas is not that remarkable. There, there's, you know, it, 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 you know, Matthew and Mark and Luke didn't include it because it didn't add much. If you understand that John was written considerably after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John would have put the story before Annas in because it was part of the narrative that the other guys hadn't put. The Holy Spirit led him, wanted to be sure that in the record of Jesus... His appearance before the former high priest, Annas, was included. He will spend very little time talking about Jesus before Caiaphas and that Sanhedrin because Matthew, Mark, and Luke spent considerable time talking about that. So he appears before Annas. Then you have you know, the, the Simon Peter and all that stuff. Then in verse 19, the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. And this is how Jesus answered him. I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews came to come together, and I spoke nothing in secret. He had been doing that two days previously, or three days previously. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. He never really answered him. And because of that, one of the officers struck him and said, Is that how you answer the high priest? And Jesus, with great dignity, said, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? Tell me what I said wrong. No reply. So why did you strike him? So one thing Sean points out from the very beginning is just this whole thing was kind of a railroad. It was a sham. Uh, they were out to get Jesus. They were, they were out to get him. Um, you know what? I forgot to read one of the things. Go back to Matthew 26. I just realized. I read that other first thing, and I forgot to read this to you. I think I forgot. I may be going completely crazy. After what Jesus said, notice what it said in verse 3. The chief priests and the elders, 20, Matthew 26, 3. Uh, the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest Caiaphas. They were plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the festival, otherwise a riot may occur during the people. So we see on Wednesday that the Jewish leaders had decided to kill Jesus by stealth, by quiet. Why? They didn't want the people to know. They were afraid there would be a riot because the people were crazy about Jesus. Now, that changed when Judas betrayed him, but everything they did was still by stealth and quiet. So they had already determined to kill Jesus. It was just how. They were going to anticipate doing it. And then when we come 
to, back to where I was a while ago, to John chapter 18. They first took him to Annas. Now we come to Matthew and we come to chapter uh, 27. Excuse me, chapter 26 still. And you get over to verse uh, 57. He had been arrested, all that stuff. Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were gathered together. Now, he had gone to the house of Annas already. Probably they went there. Everything happened quickly. They weren't prepared to arrest Jesus, believe it or not. Judas just brought, you know, kind of dumped him in their lap. So they had to get everything ready. This is before dawn. There, was, there should be no trial. There should be none of that happen. You can read all about how they abused the system and all that stuff. But this is before dawn. So Caiaphas and a few, some of the scribes and elders were there. Peter was following him at a distance and all that. Now, verse 59. The chief priest and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus. Mark says the same thing. They might put him to death. So they had already determined his death. They had already convicted him. They were trying to find evidence. And the evidence was all going to be false. They had manufactured the evidence. Verse 60, they didn't find any. Though many false witnesses came forward. They couldn't. And then two guys came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Now, obviously, Jesus wasn't talking about the little temple. And the word used for temple is not the word for the buildings. It's the word normally used for the holy of holies. So he was comparing himself to the presence of God. So he was talking about himself, which they were going to help fulfill in his crucifixion. Now, they couldn't even get that story right. They were still confused. So the high priest just stood up and said to Jesus, Do you not answer what these men testify to you? But Jesus kept silent. Jesus didn't dignify this thing. But he then put him under oath. The high priest said to him, I assure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now notice, are you the Christ, that's the Messiah, are you the Son of God? Now the Son of God phrase is very important. Because the Son of God isn't just Messiah. It has to do with deity. So they didn't, the Caiaphas was a Sadducee. The Sadducees only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. He didn't believe in all the Messiah stuff. The Pharisees did. So the critical thing wasn't Jesus the Christ the Messiah. That wasn't the issue for Caiaphas. Was he the son of God? Was he God? Now they were strict monotheists. They only believed in one God. And because they were limited, the Sadducees, to the first five books of the Bible, they had no concept of revelation being progressive. Pharisees would. But the Pharisees, while they would believe in the idea of, the, of Messiah, would not ever think any human was the son of God. To be the son of God was literally to be of God. So they're asking him about deity. Jesus said, you have said it yourself. He said, you have just testified to truth. Nevertheless, I tell you this, that hereafter you will see the Son of Man, how he referred to himself as the Messiah, sitting at the right hand of power, coming on the clouds of heaven, the second coming. So he's saying, yeah, and you're going to see all this. It's going to be demonstrated to you. At that moment, the high priest tore his robes and said, he has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. And what do you think? And they said, he deserves death. And so they spat on him. Um, they beat him with their fists. And they slapped him and said, prophesy to us, you are the Christ, the one who's the one who hit you. This is all in the privacy of a few people with Caiaphas. Okay. So you know, there, were, there were several things that happened. The, the high priest was never s- supposed to pronounce death until everybody had voted and all this other stuff. And it, it doesn't matter all of the, the stuff that happened that was wrong for our purposes. You can just see all of the, the sham of it all. It's, all. it's all that way. 
Now, verse 27, <coughs> excuse me, in chapter 27, you see Judas um, showing remorse, et cetera, et cetera, and all of that. And so you see, you see all the things that had happened, and, and so that, that goes on. Um, so um, verse 27, excuse me, chapter 27, verse 1, says when morning came. Uh, so morning, morning broke. The morning had not yet come. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. So that, that is a reference to the second part of his trial. Mark does the same thing. They hardly mention it. You don't even notice it. But if you go to Luke, so I must go over to Luke. I know we're going around. It's a little rambling, a little chaotic, but you've got to hang in there. I'm going to pull it all together. Maybe. Now look, look um, it, Luke in verse 63 and 65 talk about the first trial. Then in verse 66, he talks about the second. When it was day, notice, when it was morning, when it was day, when it was light. This marked the third, the second trial before the Sanhedrin, the third of the Jews. There was Annas, the first before Caiaphas, then this one. So when it was day, the council, that's the Sanhedrin. That's the ruling council. That's the, that's the supreme authority of the Jews. I'm sorry, 23, 22, verse 66. Uh, and scribes, they led him away to their council chamber, saying, If you're the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you a question, you will not answer. So they're saying, You're not going to believe me in whatever I tell you. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And they said to him, Are you the Son of God? Notice, Are you the Son of God? Not the Son of Man. Are you the Son of God? He said, Yes, I am. And they said, What further need do we have of testimony? We have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. So at that point, there, Jesus is being God. Now, to be somewhat fair to the average Jew, if a person claims to be God, son of God, that is blasphemy. If, if someone was to walk into our presence and say, you know, I, I am the son of God, I, I am deity, God, you know, the, you know the, the power, not the power of God, but I am in essence God, I would say, well, what you're saying is wrong. You're a heretic, and that is somewhat blasphemous. I don't know that I'd spit on them or slap them, pins on my mood, baby, but they would certainly be incorrect. But remember, all the things that Jesus had done leading up to this, three people raised from the dead, including Lazarus, untold number of people healed, plus all of his teaching. They had all this body of evidence that indicated he was who he said he was. So you have this, this, this reaction. If you read over in chapter 23, it says, The whole body got up and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying, He is the Christ, the king. Now, he never forbidden to pay taxes to Caesar. They lied. He is the Christ, but the Christ is the Messiah. He's not, he's not technically the king in the sense of what they meant. He would be, Pilate would ask him to be the king. He would say yes, but it's not they meant king as a military ruler. That was not it. And so Pilate then began the first now of the Roman trials. So what I'm going to do to do the Pilate's part, just keep your finger there, but go on over to John chapter 18. Okay. He comes before Pilate in verse 28. Jesus, you know, they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. That's where they were. We don't need to go on all of that. Uh, it was early. They, they themselves not in the Praetorium, so they did not need to file. They might need the Passover. So they couldn't go into the presence of the Jews because they couldn't eat the, of the Passover. 
Pilate then had to go out to them. And by the way, the Pilate hated the Jews. So you got, there's a whole bunch of backstory that I don't have time to go into. What accusation do you bring as this man? They said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, it would not have come and delivered him to you. So they said, well, what do you mean? If he didn't do evil, why would he be here? That was kind of contemptuous. He said, take him yourself and judge him according to your law. Because it was a Jewish religious matter, nothing to do with Romans. The Jews says, we're not permitted to put him to death. This was to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying what kind of death he was about to die. Remember, I read you that from Matthew 26. So Pilate entered in the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now Pilate meant military ruler. Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative or do the others tell you about me? So he's now questioning Pilate. Notice how many questions Jesus asked. He asked the Sanhedrin. He asked, you know, Annas. He's asking Pilate. He asked these guys questions. Pilate said, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation, the chief priest, delivered me. What have you done? So he's assuming guilt. You've done something. They wouldn't be bringing you. Jesus said this, If my kingdom were not of this world, if my kingdom... My kingdom is not of this world. If it were of the world, my servants would be fighting so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. So I'm a king, but not of this world. Hence, that's why my disciples didn't fight. Figure it out, Pilate. Pilate said to him, you're a king. And Jesus said, you are correctly, you, you are, say correctly, I'm a king. For this I've been born, and for this I've come in the world to testify the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? That's all important. We don't have time for that. So go back over to Luke. Now, Pilate, in verse 6, says, Pilate heard all this. He asked him whether a man was a Galilean. And then he turned that he belonged to the Herod's jurisdiction. He sent him to Herod. So what all I just read fits right in here. He goes to Herod. Now, what happened to Herod? I'm not going to read it. It is of no real significance to the story in that sense that it adds anything other than he went before this cruel, despotic Herod. And Herod's the one that killed John the Baptist. Herod asks him questions. Jesus doesn't answer they slap him, you know, make fun of him, mock him, all of that stuff. So now go back to John. So when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no guilt in him. Notice, he says, I find no guilt in Jesus. Between all the Gospels, three times, Pilate will say, I find no guilt. It is at this point then when he talks about the custom of releasing the Jews that he has come back from Herod. Mark 15, verse 6 is the same thing. Matthew 27, verse, Matthew 27, verse 16, or 15. Matthew 27, 15 is the same point. At that point, you can mark, came back from Herod. Okay. You have a custom. I release someone from the Passover. Who do you want? You know, all that stuff. So verse 19, and said they want Barabbas. Pilate took Jesus, uh, chapter 19, and he beat him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head. Then began to come up to him, said, Hell, king of the Jews, and all that stuff, and, and a bit slapped him in his face. Pilate came out and said, Behold, I am bringing him to you so that you may know I find no guilt in him. Notice, once again, I find no guilt. He beat him, scourged him. No guilt. And so Jesus came out. Pilate said, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to him, Take him yourself and crucify him by him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews, Jews answered, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die because he made himself out to be the Son of God. So here you have the reason they wanted to kill Jesus. They had already conspired to kill him. They wanted to kill him now because he was the son of God, and this is what they told Pilate. We hear all the time, and rightly so to a point, the Jews you know, wanted to put Jesus to death for blasphemy, but the Romans did it for treason. 
Pilate never found him guilty of anything. The Jews found him guilty of blasphemy, which was incorrect. Pilate never found him guilty of treason. So now they just come flat out and say, forget the treason part. We want to put him to death because of blasphemy. Pilate would have, should have nothing to do with that. But there's a problem. There's a lot of backstory with Pilate and his problems with the, with the, with the emperor, with Caesar. And, and how he's, he was a lot of cruel things. And he couldn't afford a rider on his hand. And so Pilate, very cowardly, and I don't, I don't have time to go into all of that. Uh, he just said, he heard the statement. He was even more afraid. He looked at Jesus and said, where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate said, you do not speak to me. You know I have the authority to release you. I have the authority to crucify you. He said, I can release you. I can kill you. Give me a reason. And Jesus said, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. Jesus cried out, if you release this man, you know, friend of Caesar. And he makes himself to be king opposed to Caesar. And so Pilate let him go. Now, Jesus said this to Pilate. We'll go back to verse 11. You have no authority over me unless you have been given from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So basically what he's saying is this. The greater sin relies with Caiaphas than with Pilate. It's not that Pilate's without sin. But here's the thing. Pilate had no comprehension of who Jesus is. The, the whole Messiah thing was completely lost on Pilate. Caiaphas should have known. Caiaphas had a responsibility as the high priest of Israel to know who Jesus is. And to know that he did not commit blasphemy, that he made this stuff up and took him to Pilate. So, with all that in mind, I have the time that I have left. And I, and I, I, there's a, I know it's disjointed. It has to be disjointed. I can't read all that to you and not have it disjointed. Let me just kind of bring all this together to kind of help you understand. What was the issue with Jesus? And the issue with Jesus that they had was that he was God in the flesh. And they denied that. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. They accused Jesus of blasphemy. Accusing him of blasphemy deserved the death penalty in their religious system. And I've talked about the religious system a lot early in the fall. So to put him to death. And they had all the reasons not to. He had performed the miracles, raised people from the dead, did all the teaching. But now here's the thing. They crucified Jesus, which is exactly what Jesus said would happen. When they crucified him, we know from the Gospel of Matthew that the Jewish leaders under Caiaphas had Pilate seal up the tomb, put a Roman guard, because they said he talked about being raised back from the dead. We don't believe it, but we're afraid the disciples will steal his body. Make sure they can't steal the disciples. Make sure the disciples can't do that. So they made sure the body of Jesus couldn't be stolen. When the resurrection occurred, what did Caiaphas say? Caiaphas and the Jewish leaders said the disciples stole the body of Jesus, which they couldn't have done because they made sure it couldn't happen. So they had to have known at that point that Jesus was raised back to life. So here's the thing. They accused Jesus of blasphemy because Jesus said he was the son of God. All the evidence before his death, they ignored it. But there's one thing that they can't really ignore, that after they killed him, Jesus did something that could only be done if he was God came back to life. See that? See, all that stuff happened. But what the Jewish rulers did, by accusing him of blasphemy, and by charging him with blasphemy, and by killing him for blasphemy, was to guarantee that if he died, God raised him back to life. He was truly God. And one of the things we say all the time about Jesus, 
It said, if you can predict your own death and resurrection and pull that off, pretty good chance you're God. It's a pretty good chance. So just think, what, what all, the whole trial, and it's, it's a complicated, involved thing, and I know all that. You go read all the four Gospels, and I spent you know, all day to day just going back and forth on all four, and putting it together and how I'm going to present it. But, but here's the bottom line for all of this. What they did in those trials is guarantee that we have evidence that Jesus is God. They would have left Jesus alone. Who was going to crucify him? He had to go die. Now, we understand he gave his life. I get that. In, in, in the spring, well, actually starting in February, uh, I'm, uh, I think in February, yeah, in February, I'm preaching on Jesus on the cross, the seven things Jesus said from the cross. Seven amazing statements by Jesus that shows without a doubt he gave his life. No one took his life, he gave it. It's, it's, what he said is amazing. We understand that Jesus gave his life. He, he, he could have stopped the whole thing. We got that. But somebody had to act on behalf of us humans to kill him, okay? Because he, he couldn't take his own life. Somebody in authority had to do it. Caiaphas and Pilate were the guys in authority. Pilate said, I have the authority to crucify your sake. He had, and he gave him over to Caiaphas, who was drooling, just drooling, trying to get away to kill Jesus. And he had him for blasphemy. Not only did he have him for blasphemy, he sealed up his tomb. Other than the apostles who saw Jesus and obviously Paul and all that, if any one person should have ever believed that Jesus was God, it was Caiaphas. It was Caiaphas. Jesus said, I'm the son of God. Pilate and Caiaphas killed him. And they made sure the disciples couldn't steal the body of Jesus. And when the body was raised back to life, he said, oh, the disciples stole the body. They said before, Caiaphas wasn't evil because he killed Jesus. He killed Jesus because he was evil. But here's the point. All of us, to some degree, are Caiaphas. If we never come to Christ, we all deny the truth of the resurrection. If you know the resurrection story of Jesus and you don't believe it, you're no different than Caiaphas. You deny truth. Now, you may, not commit, you may not think Jesus committed blasphemy. All that other may be different. I get that. At the end of the day, if you don't believe in the resurrected Christ, nothing else matters. Caiaphas, Pilate, Judas, whoever. At the end of the day, they had the chance to believe in the resurrected Christ. Well, Judas did because he killed himself. But they had a chance to believe in the resurrected Christ, and they chose not to. So this whole movement of Jesus... It's really about ultimately one thing. It's about the cross. Jesus came to go to the cross. He told his disciples, I'm going to be crucified. He also told them, though we didn't read it, I'm going to be raised back to life. And the people who killed Jesus made sure that happened. So sometimes, maybe I should admit this. I just thank God for Caiaphas and Pilate because they made sure Jesus died for me now, they could have repented they didn't, that's on them don't know that I feel sorry for them it's not my problem 
My problem is me and the people I face. So it's kind of an odd thing when we preachers get all over Caiaphas and Pilate. And we should. I get that. I mean, I understand that. But there's a part of me that says, but they needed to do that so we could be saved. They needed to repent also, which they could have done. But Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified. Somebody had to pull that off. So the reason Jesus was killed, what the trial was all about, was whether or not he was truly God. And it turns out he was. <laughs> it still is. So uh, I know that's a little disjointed, but I need to know. So questions or comments you may have, I'll do my best to answer them in the chief time we have. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, the eight billion people in the world and billions or more have lived and, and either have refused, you know, if they've refused Christ, it's easy. If they've never heard of Christ, um, we have the book of Romans to go back on, and I preached from Romans 1 back at the 1st of September. The real issue that I end up asking your question is God is always just, and all, all humans have rebelled against him and stand accountable for that rebellion. So we have no excuse. The real issue for me as a Christian is to make sure those 8 billion people hear about Jesus. And that's, that's our task, which we've probably not done really well. So, you know, at the end of the day, all of them, because of sin, uh, stand condemned before God because they've made those choices. And uh, we have to have confidence that God is just, that he will handle that in a way that, is, that reflects his justice. I personally believe that... Um, that, well, hell is horrible, no matter who you are. Maybe not as bad, maybe worse for some than others. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that's right. I just kind of, that's just me on the side. Don't, you know, don't quote me on that. But, but they're, they're, we're all condemned in our sin so that they are without excuse. So what else? Anything? Yes, ma'am. Well, you said Caiaphas should have known. And actually, the proof of that is when John sent his disciples and says, Are you the Messiah? And they told him, Jesus says, Tell them the miracles you've seen. So yeah. And Caiaphas knew those same things, but John believed. Well, yeah, Caiaphas knew the miracles. I mean, they all knew the miracles of Jesus. That alone was evidence uh, before he was put to death. So they all, but they already had evidence and signs, but they ignored them, which is, makes it means it's not surprising they ignored the resurrection. But the resurrection was the absolute stone cold, you know, lead pipe cinch proof that he was God, and they ignored it. Okay, okay. yeah, we'll see you later. Stay warm. Heat is on. Notice the pastor once again turned the heat on.